hopefully God's word, not, not hopefully, I know God's word has a lot to say today. I had a scary moment uh, about 10, 15 minutes ago. I reached down to pick up my Bible and I, and I had it in my hand and Chris said, hey, that's my Bible. And then I looked around and I had no idea where mine was with a few notes in it and things. And actually I found out it was right where I left it. So thanks for being right there uh, when, I, you know, when, I, when I went back to find it. But uh, just want to, I'm excited this morning. Uh, I got to live in this passage. One of the joys about, uh, I don't preach every week or, or even that often, but when I do, I know in advance what I'm going to be preaching about, and I get to live in this passage. And I just want to challenge you. This is a good passage to live in. And so uh, have your Bible open this week to this passage in James 4. Live in it. Let it speak to you. That's what I got to do over the last several weeks. And, uh, and God has been working in me. And I hope he'll work in you in the same way that he's worked in me. Uh, we got to be here this week. There was the uh, Institute for Biblical Context, some scholars that have been to the Holy Land and they know the language and they know the geography and they, they shared with us some cool stuff that I just was in God's word this week, and I can just tell you, it's better to be in God's word than to not be in God's word. And, I, and to be honest, I have some weeks where I don't spend as much time there as I should, but, uh, so I want to challenge you. So this is James 4, the first 10 verses. Follow along, where James asks this real easy question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I have three boys in my house, so, you know, that's a good question. And I have me in my house, too, which the answer often kind of points at me more. Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, you covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? The, Kurt, the song Kurt chose talked about God is jealous for his own. That's what, this, that's what this is talking about. God wants us to have the spirit in us. But he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. And then these practical things. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is the word of the Lord, and it speaks to us. And it asks the question, what causes quarrels and fighting among you? Think back to your week, any, any quarrels, fighting, little disagreements that you had in your life? What's the cause of that? And the answer is it's your desires that wage war in you. And the word for desires there is the word hedone, which we get our word hedonism. It's really you want what you want. I like me. You know, I'm honest enough to say, I, you know, when I, when I start to look at this and I let God's word speak into my heart, I realize most of the struggles in my life are because I like me. 
The Heidelberg Catechism says, I have a natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. And I, people go, I don't, I don't hate God. I don't hate my neighbor. Well, compared to me, I do. I like to get my way. And that's the cause of the quarrels among us. I have the wrong motives. I want what I want. And I got to see that this week as I lived in this passage. In the months of May and June, I spend half my time at Jim Cott Park. Um, it's fun. We go up there to play baseball, for our kids to learn how to play baseball, to compete. But I, I've been paying attention to the desires that wage war. This week, uh, there was a, I, I heard somebody say, did you, did you see over there on, on, on Sarah Lee Field, there was a, there was a, 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 dad, a dad fight. I didn't know how bad. No, no punches thrown, anything like that. But two dads who were having a disagreement about what was right in a 9 and 10-year-old baseball game. Um, I, I myself have been working on, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 100 feet away. There's a play at second base. It's close. Bang, bang. And I, I, he was clearly safe because <laughs> it was one of our kids, right? And the 12-year-old umpire said he was out. And, and my first reaction is, No! Now, he's a long ways away, so maybe, maybe he didn't hear me. Hopefully he didn't hear me. I'm sorry. But I'm working on, you know, one of my son's coaches. I'm so impressed. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen him raise his voice, say a, a crossword. That's what I want to be. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do in me. Um, one, you know, there was one of those calls. My good friend, two, two really mature Christian adults, we see a call completely different. And, we'll, and you know, never the twain shall meet. Uh, it's... Our desires are at war with us. Not only do we want our kids to learn baseball and grow up, and you know what else we want? We want to win, right? We want our kids to do well so that we can feel good about, you know, that's my kid, you know? Our, our, our desires are waging war in us. And James says, that's the cause of the problems. What, what other areas? I, I have a car. That's another place that I see my desires waging war in me. Um, I've, been, I've been teaching my 15-year-old to drive. And again, I realize most of the issue is, is my desires for him to do things exactly the way that I say, exactly when I say them. Now, that is important in driving a car to do the right. But I have to watch my desires. In my home as a dad, it's Father's Day. Dads, how many of you check your desire? I want what I want, and I want it now. And when I don't get it, I can get angry. My desires are waging war in me. I have the wrong motives. So I want to challenge you today to check yourself. Figure out in your marriage, in your job, in your home, in your car, when you're up at Jim Cott Field later this week, let the Holy Spirit make you aware of your desires and how they are at war within you. Because James says that's the cause of some problems in our world. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? It says here, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, I'm going to take, I don't agree with this translation exactly like it is because the verb is a passive verb. So we're not, nobody gets up, not many people anyway, get up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to make God my enemy today. I'm going to do everything God doesn't want me to do. Most people don't do that. But, but sometimes we stand by passively and we let life dictate 
how we live. We're passive, and the desires of the world wash over us, and we find ourselves doing things the way we shouldn't. So I want to ask you this morning, can you be honest? Where are you becoming a friend of the world in your life? Where are you living that out? And let the Spirit of God speak at you. And what should you do about it? James gives really practical advice. He says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. One of our core values here, less self. To those who humble themselves, God wants to show favor. He says, submit yourself to God. You can be passive toward God. Let God wash over you with his word. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Resist these evil desires. Hold them away. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then come near to God. That's an active thing that you can do. Come near to God. Mighty Fortress, the song said, we will keep our eyes on you. That's what James is challenging us to do today is keep your eyes on Jesus. Resist the devil, draw near to God, get face to face with him. One of the guys at the conference was talking about Moses was face to face with God. And that word means right up close. Are you right up close with God? Can you see his face? Can he see yours? Do you, let, do you, do you draw near to him? Because when Moses got that close to God, the people saw that his face shined. Did the people around you see that in you? He was face to face with God. How do we do that? We have to live in the word. We have to journal. There are all kinds of practical things that we do. I'm in a Bible study Wednesday mornings. We're going through the book called Good to Great in God's Eyes, and it gives a couple of suggestions. Think great thoughts. Write down some of the little pieces of scripture that you know in your heart, or look through. Read that book, and it gives you just great scriptures to think about. Who are you in Christ? What has God done for you? Think great thoughts. Live in James 4. It says, hang out with great people. Figure out who you're hanging around with. Are those people sharpening you like iron? Pray great prayers. Dream great dreams. Step out in faith. Take great risks. All these things. As people of God, we need to be stepping out and figuring out, how can I draw near to God? Because we're in a battle. It goes on to say, grieve, mourn, and wail. These are words of great emotion. Do you have great emotion in, in your relationship? Do you grieve when you aren't doing the things you're supposed to do, when you let the desires of this world get at you? Do you grieve those things? Kill them. Let them die. Grieve them. Mourn. Mourn when you aren't being the person that you're supposed to be. Wail. God, help me. When I, when I read this, it, it reminds me of another scripture that I love. Back in the book of Isaiah. Of course, I got to find that. Right after Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah. Isaiah 6. This is when Isaiah gets called to be a follower of God. His commissioning. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him were the seraphim, these angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah saw God. He drew, he drew near to him, and he saw him. And when he did, he said, Woe is me. Oh, my. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He had an understanding of who he was in the presence of God, and he, and he weeped. He, he mourned. He wailed. And God came down and he touched him and he cleansed him. And then he said, who will go for me? And then Isaiah said, here am I, send me. So as the people of God grieve, mourn, wail at who you have been, that you've let the desires of this world lead you, call out to God and say, woe is me. And God will cleanse you and then he will send you. We're in a battle everywhere we go. To win that battle, we need a different perspective. We need to know who God is. Do you believe that God, we're going to say it later on when we, when, we, when we baptize young Gabriel this morning. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We need to have a perspective where we remember who God is. That's why we say the creed. God is our Father, our good Father who loves us. He is almighty. He is the creator of heaven and earth, and he knows What's best for us? His desires for us are better than the world's desires for us. So we need to have that perspective of God, and we need to believe that he knows best. We need to know that God has a view of us. We are his child. Chris talked about our good, good father. He loves us, and he wants what's best for us. Maybe not all of us have had that kind of experience with our earthly fathers, but with our heavenly father, we have one who says, I love you and I want what's best for you. If you'll just submit to me, if you'll just draw near to me. And when you do that, that will change your view of yourself like Isaiah. You will understand you are a person of unclean lips. You will understand your desires. You'll open yourself up and when you get ready to yell at that 12-year-old umpire, the Holy Spirit will go, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. When I don't do that, I'm on my way to being a friend of the world. So I want to challenge you to think about who you are. To think about your desires and how they affect you. And I want to challenge you to resist the devil and draw near to God. I want to just end with some stories that I've seen this week of people who've resisted their own desires and done what God has called them to do. There's a young lady, Taylor, we told you about her, 16 years old. She's been on a couple mission trips. Her dad grew up as a missionary, and I think he sowed the seeds of a missionary's heart into her. But Taylor, this 16-year-old young lady, she went down. She served in Rivers of Mercy. She loves these kids. She sees their plight. She decided... Rather than making money and, and doing whatever she would do for her spring or for her summer vacation, she's gonna, she took her own money. She bought a plane ticket. She's going to fly by herself down to uh, El Paso, Texas. She's going to meet with Kristen Robles, who, who runs this, uh, this orphanage that we serve at. And she's going to serve for two weeks 
in Mexico. Her mom's a little, a little scared about this, Juarez, Mexico. Um, Mexico. It's on the other side of the border, and uh, it's, you know, it's a pretty safe place, but for a 16-year-old girl, she's nervous. But this young lady is going to serve. She's, she's not thinking of her own desires. She's thinking about what God wants for her. And I'm just challenged by that. I'm challenged. Do I do that in my life? We were at our mission team meeting on Tuesday. We got an email. Abby forwarded an email to me from Atlas. Atlas is a group that we send folks to when they have benevolent needs. They help, uh, help us know what, how to best help folks in these needs. They sent us a request about this young lady. They, they called her Monica. That's not her name. They, they're keeping her name uh, separate. So, but anyway, she has needs. She has had surgery. She hasn't been working. Uh, she's behind in her rent. Her HVAC system isn't working. And pretty much everything has gone wrong for her. And, and Atlas said, can you help? Well, I bring these requests to our mission team. And of course, they said, yes, we can help. We're going to write a check. But then the people on the mission team, they, they took it a step further. They said, Kurt, is there any way that we can... Uh, that we can build a relationship with this young lady, that we can maybe, you know, help her with some child care. We can bring her some meals. Maybe we could get somebody to go check out her HVAC system. We could, we could make it so on a day like today um, she could have air conditioning. They wanted to take it a step further. And it just, so we're reaching out. We're trying to figure out how do we build that relationship when she gets out of the hospital? Can we go? Can we visit with her? But I'm challenged by people who, they're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about, what God wants them to do. And then the last one, Pete Dockery, our missionary in Mexico, and now in Guatemala. There was a volcano. The volcano is about 30 miles away from where Pete is, um, down the mountain. So no danger where they are, but, but some groups have canceled because they're a little nervous about volcanoes going off, and I get that. And so there was a family that was going to get a house but all of a sudden, they weren't going to get a house because when a group cancels, they also don't, they don't send on their money. So they're going to they're come later and build a house. So Pete's like, we have this family that's expecting a house. Could folks, could folks give? And uh, before, we could, before we could get our, our stuff together, uh, that need was met. But then another group canceled, and Pete sent me a text. So I brought that to the mission team. And one of the guys on the mission team said, hey, Rather than us just committing some money out of the mission trip fund, what if you send an email to all the guys who've been on a Mexico trip or a Guatemala trip in the last couple of years? So I, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, I sent out an email. Hey, we could use like $2,400. By 9 o'clock on Wednesday morning, I had over $4,000 committed. Guys just, guys don't follow instructions very well. You, you could all give $100. Well, some guys, they don't follow instructions. We'll do 2000 Okay, but we're above $5,500 now that we've raised. People who, you know, we have our own desires. There's lots of things we can do with this. But the people of God say, one of the things that, you know, my desires, I, I can buy my, but no, I want to do some things for what God wants to do. And so now, uh, well, we passed the number that Pete needed for that house. So I said, Pete, I've got too much money. It's a problem we have a lot around here, people of God. You're so good. Uh, and he said, well, you know what? There's another group coming, 38 people coming, but they, there's enough people to build three houses, but only enough money to build two. So, well, now we've solved that problem. So now three families in Guatemala are going to get a home in the next couple of weeks 
because the people of God didn't think about their desires. They thought about what God wants. So I just want to challenge you people. What causes fights and quarrels among us? It's our desires that are waging war in us. And we can see it all around us wherever we go. So I want you to just think about it. Be open to let God show you where your desires are out of control. And then draw near to God. And when you do, he'll whisper to you like he did to folks this week that, hey, I want you to spend your time over here. I want, to sp- I want you to spend your influence over there. I want you to spend your money over here as the people of God. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Humble yourself and he will lift you up. That's the people of God. Out of the overflow of your heart, God will speak through you. We're going to close with a song. Um, I asked Kurt to sing this this week. Uh, it's called Keep Making Me. But it's make me broken so I can be filled. Make me, make me your person so that you can use me. And so I just want you to sing this song as a prayer and, uh, and then go out there and serve God with your hearts. Let's pray together. God, you give us your word, and you speak plainly in it. You tell us who we are. We're your child. You tell us who you are. You are our father who loves us, but you're also our father who knows best. And you tell us without you, we're, we're in trouble. We go our own ways. When, when, we're, when we seek after our own ways, it leads to death. So, Lord, I pray that you would show us through your spirit where our desires have gone astray. And, Lord, that you would show us where you want us to serve with our time, with our influence, with our money. Lord, I thank you that we can be a part of a, of a, of a community where we can be salt and light in this world. Lord, help us to do that in this week through your name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. You are the people of God. It's fun to celebrate what God does in our lives. You are the people of God. And so I just want to challenge you. Let God keep making you. Let him keep making you into the people he calls us to be. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. That's the look on God's face. My God, smile at you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go in peace.